0: Journalist and documentary filmmaker Asham Mwilu of Citizen TV in Kenya is in the pod.
1: We don't exist in a vacuum and we don't exist sort of like in isolation. So thinking of journalism as a way to sort of like find some synergy points from one location to the other. So my name is Asha Mwilu. I'm a journalist. I've been working in mainstream television for the last almost 10 years. I'm going to be celebrating 10 years next year. So I'm really excited about that. And I started off mainly as a political reporter and then I think you find out very, very quickly when you join the newsroom that everything is like politics, everything intersects into politics. So if you think about culture, food, if you think about um, security, movement of people, if you think about history, everything like has a political element and so when you say you're a political reporter it becomes too broad so I branched out and started doing everything covering like everything that just touches on humanity and for the last five years I've focused mainly on investigative stories and so a lot of issues on social justice um, security and terrorism and with a focus on governance so that's that's
0: why I am. Citizen TV is a multimedia operation. What has changed in those 10 years in your view?
1: I've been at Citizen TV Royal Media Services that is for just Close to uh, two years now. I think I would say comfortably it's one and a half years. But before that, I was at KTN and Standard Group Media, being the oldest privately owned um, media house in Kenya. It was very interesting when I joined the newsroom because it still had those very traditional tenets. Where every it's like a it's like being in the military, you know. Um, <laughs> and the, the the editors are. The sergeants and it's almost like you have to salute when they pass, and everything, yeah. but just that very very traditional grounding in how journalism is 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 approached, and so I've just noticed that in the last ten years, wow, first and foremost, everyone can create content now, anyone can create content um as opposed to when I started off ten years ago, where people still waited for the news, people still viewed journalists as as like very important in society and the people who the only way we can get truth so that's really changed to see how digital has come in and disrupted everything and to see how now it's the multiple platforms you don't just talk about tv so now it's hard for me to actually introduce myself as a television journalist because Mm -hmm. i mean like what does that mean um you're, you're just a journalist and it's it's you're on TV, but then also people can watch you online. You're still interacting with people on your, on your social media platforms. And that is just as important as the work that you're doing on TV. So that's, I think that's very different. Even with print journalists, you know, um, in the traditional way that we would see print journalists as, you know, I'm a newspaper journalist, that's completely changed because it's now your multimedia. So just seeing how everything has gone digitally it's. I think that for me is like
0: the big difference. The changes that we are seeing brought about by the so-called digital disruption, have they been good or bad for for journalism?
1: I think both of them. I think it's been it's been quite difficult. Let me start with the challenges. It's been difficult because. Um, Initially, you could just tell stories, and you didn't have to worry about like the attention of the audience, for example, as long as you had a good story, if it was one hour long. I mean, I remember the days of, um, when you talk about investigative journalis- journalism, the days of Muhammad Ali, Ali and uh, John Allen, and when we were younger reporters in the newsroom, and they would have pieces that were one hour end you know and sometimes they would stretch it it would be even close to two hours and people would sit down and watch these pieces and then then they would have dvds on river road because they can't even get enough of it they want to watch it over and over again and now as a journalist having to think of wow like the audience they don't have that much time you're now competing with a lot more you're competing with social media you're competing with short videos now you're competing with tiktok I mean, if you think about <laughs> it. So it's been challenging in that way. It's also been challenging in the sense that in the, the whole, what I guess m- many people want to call post-truth world, where um, you have leaders branding journalism as fake news, for example, um, and then on like, in our context, Giveri Media, and having to constantly seek approval from the audience is is also a bit difficult now it's difficult to navigate that space before then we just had to adhere to the ethics and the laws of journalism and know that your content would be received well but now there are all these other voices and you know that the audiences are also listening to and you have to be even more careful you Know, um, you have to need nit- they need to pick everything, you know, which I guess is also <laughs> like a good thing. Yeah. Let me not say it's a so about you're it.
0: literally on your toes, yeah, yeah you're e- on your, your toes every single time,
1: exactly. And, um, and then I think another challenge, in my opinion, is that because of social media, a lot of journalists have sort of like fallen the trap of becoming more of socialites mm. than just sticking to the profession. And, uh, you know, I do. Sometimes I'm very nostalgic about the, you know, 10 years or 15 years ago where you just had to do your job and then go yeah, home. That's right, yeah. yeah, and if you could be if, if you ended up being a celebrity, it's not because you sought it. It's just because it comes with the territory. But now seeing that people actually seek that celebrity um a lot more than just the professionalism and the credibility I I think for me it just doesn't sit well doesn't sit too well with me. But on the flip side, it's also allowed us to experiment. You know, there's so much room for experimentation now and I find that you know, I'm not just in my comfort zone when I'm telling my story. Those those challenges that I'm thinking about are making me even more creative, are making me seek things in the world that I wouldn't have sought 10 years ago. Um it made me, in 2015, leave the newsroom for one year and say, hey, I'm going to go and study film, documentary film, and see how I can incorporate that into, into my journalism. So that's pretty exciting, and the room for innovation. Also, the opportunity to be a media owner yourself, you know. You just become a content creator now, and it's, you're, not just, it's not ju- you're not just in one box of just being a journalist. You can be a journalist, but now... You know, your world is so expanded. Look at like the Great Hack on Netflix. That's a great piece of journalism. But who would have thought that it would have made an amazing film if the Great Hack showed in theaters? You know, moviegoers would go
0: and watch it. You know, you're talking about how you know the the good old days where you'll just be, you know, put your head down, work on your story, put it out there and essentially just celebrate that you have done your job but right now you know you are aware about you know the constant um uh, sometimes criticism even praise from uh, from the audience just want to hear your thought about measuring journalism and what you think about what we should be aspiring to
1: I think for me I do it in a very personal way um in the sense that I think before if you had a story out, or you you had the spread, and it was a big story, big investigative or big revelation, you could you always looked for those like nuances in society. So, are people picking up the newspaper on the street? What's the the hairdresser saying, and what's your barber saying about this story? And that sort of like was a, a metric to to measure like the impact of your story. And I guess there were other ways as well. I mean, with TV you could talk about like how many people watched TV on this day and how many people watched news. but now it's so possible now to go into like the details of it sure.
0: it's more granular
1: it's very granular um you know it goes beyond my story trended on Twitter to the rich you know now when you look at how many people interacted with like a hashtag, for example, when your story was airing. And this is now from my TV perspective. Like one of the one of the last stories I did, the Mara Heist, an investigative piece. When the piece was on air, we were we could actually measure in real time the impact of, of of the story, and that was not just through the number of people that were interacting with the hashtag and people who are watching the story. It's down to their comments. So I think for me, the the main impact is just to to hear comments from from the audience there's always you'll always find that they sway towards one side or the other so if if people are saying wow this is eye-opening for me this is something i didn't know this is something that needs to be investigated you've opened my world my eyes to a whole new world i think for me that's the impact
0: how do you build a relationship uh, with the audience with all the distractions that they have you know today?
1: I think it's to make first and foremost even through your storytelling because I'm, I'm really like I'm big on storytelling, and that's what I've been trying to build up on in, in your storytelling in the very beginning, to make it as personal as possible, because with all these distractions, when we're online, what catches our attention is the question, why should I care about this? Right, so if you can capture that through your storytelling and say and tell your audience, this is why you Dickens, you. I am talking to you as an individual. This is why this relates to you. This is why you should care about this story. It begins from there, right? And then seeing your reaction, because now we have the tools, we you we, I can read your comment, and how do I respond to that? So you have one option of just leaving that comment out, or go into further engagement. So you'll find that for some of my stories, I go further to even interact with people and people will now start sharing their experiences and then it becomes a back and forth. So now, as opposed to 10 years ago where journalists were very unattainable for the common monanchi, now you're their next door neighbor because they can just tweet you.
0: Yeah, and you know, uh, just listening to you there, um, one thing that I always say is that We are so quick to celebrate reach, but are we really, really listening and having that um, engagement and, and, you know, just listening to our audience and building this relationship, which are very, very important, not just for distribution of our stories, but even for the monetization of, of content. And just to segue there, I mean, you've just talked about you've been in the newsroom for 10 years, but you're working on something much more Exciting. <laughs> so can you tell me a little bit about uh, your new venture?
1: Well, um let me not call it a venture. I'm constantly looking at where the media will be in the future because I think we all should. And you know, it's a conversation that's happening in our newsrooms as well in relation to our products. So how do we make sure that we are ahead of the game with so many changing platforms many being introduced, changing audiences? there's a question of now newsrooms need to think about innovation, right? Um, when I did my CNN fellowship um, at, in Atlanta, I, just, I was just impressed by the fact that they even ha- have a whole, at the time they had a whole drone department, CNN Air, you know, and they just had a team dedicated to thinking about how to tell stories from the skies. They have gone further and are engaged YouTubers like Casey Neistat, to just think about how to tell stories on other platforms where the ordinary CNN audience would not fit into that category, and how now they're thinking of like a great big story on YouTube. So that's so challenging because I don't think we think about that too much in our context. In you know in African media houses, certainly not in Kenyan media houses, not as much as we should. And so I heard about um, Aga Khan University Graduate Media School. Um, in conjunction with DW Academy, inviting journalists, media practitioners to come and innovate, to pitch an idea that they, you know, they can incubate somewhere and talk to experts and see how it can go to the next level. So I just decided to pitch. And for me, my idea was, first, can we just create our own digital platform that can convert the journalism that we know into a more relatable storytelling platform for the young urban African. So Africa is mainly urban. Africa is going online, even though people would like to dispute it. You know, the latest figures show that in June 2019, half a billion Africans, 523 million Africans, had some sort of access to the Internet. What are we watching there? You know, what are we consuming? What are we reading? So my idea is to see how we can look at very important issues um, that sort of like relate to all of us across the continent and see if there are universal themes that we can discuss and see some synergy points. So when you talk about Africa, um, China coming to Africa, um, the the trade going on between China and Africa, uh, the infrastructure um, development that's happening, nobody's talking about comparisons. So what's happening in in Zambia? What's happening in Botswana that's similar to Kenya, for example? So some sort of like
0: constructive journalism, but it's very, very African-focused.
1: Exactly. And also very collaborative. Because um, right now, as journalists, we don't exist in a vacuum, and we don't exist sort of like in isolation. So thinking of journalism as a way to sort of like find some synergy points from one location to the other. So let me give you like an example. The West has been covering the African migration story, from their perspective, right? And what we know, if you ask the random African on the street, what is this migration crisis? Because that's what they've called it, right? And they'll tell you Africans are on boats, they're trying to cross the, the Mediterranean, and they're drowning. And some European countries don't want them, and some refugees, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a conversation happening about refugees. Only 0.5, or I think less, percent of Africans migrating are actually trying to go to Europe. Most of African migration is happening within the continent. Some of it is happening to the Middle East. So who is telling that story for us? So it's not, I wouldn't call it an innovation, but it's looking for innovative ways to do what we've been talking about for so many decades, which is to represent our stories, to tell our stories to ourselves to tell that African story, you know, the cliche that we all use. So it's just to try and find a way where we can collaborate and tell those stories.
0: And this would be all digital focus? Absolutely. Okay, great. And, I mean, that's all exciting. I mean, I can imagine people saying, that's great, Asha, but how are you going to make the money?
1: Well, that's part of being in the Innovation Center, right?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's to, and it's, I mean, it's a valid question, and it's a question that, I'm, I'm not the only one looking for those answers. Even our own media houses are. You know, We certainly are at, at Royal Media. I know the other big players in the market are thinking about it because if you look at the trends, the business model is changing. The whole world is talking about journalism and money and where the future is. So I think one big part of the puzzle is to know where the audience is and then the rest will follow.
0: I'm curious you know, what your thoughts are about the real challenges that uh, legacy media in Kenya or even in Africa uh, face at the moment in your view?
1: For me, the biggest one that I will point out is brain drain. Um, anyone who worked in the newsroom 10 years ago will tell you that the more experienced journalists have left the newsroom. And
0: and why is that?
1: Um, I think... There might be a myriad of reasons. Everyone lives certainly for their own reasons. But I don't understand why Wolf, for example, is still on CNN and is one of their their star anchors. And yet in Kenya, there's an emphasis for the younger, the better. You know, it pains me to see someone like Hussein Mohammed leaving TV. And I keep wondering, like, where is he going? Because then... It's really good. It's good to create these opportunities for the younger upcoming journalists, but I still think there is room, there is definitely an important space to be filled by the more experienced journalists who understand the history of our countries, who understand um, the legacy of our newsrooms, the institutional memory, and Mm -hmm. we are losing that. So I think that's something a lot of people don't talk about, but it's certainly a challenge. And then I think, I mean the same question of innovation and the same question of digital disruption and how we handle it. I still don't think that our newsrooms are equipped enough to handle what the digital disruption, the the challenges that come with that. Um, I think there's a lot to be done to even change people's perceptions, both in our newsrooms and also with our audiences. I think maybe our audiences are ready for it, but we are still very slow to innovate. We are very slow to look at the opportunities and be the first people to grab them. And I see this posing a challenge because I am afraid that some of our most important newsrooms are going to collapse slowly because of this.
0: And Asha, there'll be people listening to this who, you know, they're probably wanting to, you know, thinking of a career in journalism and some of them probably have already signed up, paid the fees. Uh, doing a journalism degree what's what's kind of your message to them?
1: I mean, I teach journalism, so I'm always speaking to those people that you're talking about, fresh from high school, coming in and having an idea of what journalism is um first and foremost, it's to understand what the profession is all about because ultimately, even with what digital is presenting with with all the opportunities that are out there, with the fact that now we are multimedia and we are digital and we are on social media, you have to remember why journalism existed and why journalism is important now. Um, If you look around the world with what's happening, the rise of, of authoritarianism in areas that we couldn't even imagine and this sort of like yearning of the people to to find truth, to know truth, to get accountability, to seek transparency. That whole idea of truth, in my view, is the reason why I'm a journalist. And so if you're getting into journalism, first and foremost, everything else can be taught. You know, storytelling methods, um, fact-checking, how to make sure that you're not called fake news and give a remedy, all those things can be taught. But what can't be taught is that conviction,
0: you have to have it.
1: Absolutely. There's just no two way about it in my in my view. And if you're in it for other reasons, then also be true to yourself. Um, if you're studying journalism and maybe call it something else, if you're studying like um, media work for other reasons because you want to be a celebrity, because you want to get into acting, because you want to get into these other things, go for exactly what you want. But if you want to be called a journalist, to pursue stories, to tell stories to people, to... Disseminating critical information and to go deeper and dig for facts and to tell the truth and to investigate, then you have to know why you're doing it.
0: I'll be greedy and ask you one more. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you think that as journalists we should explain to the public what we do, what this career is all about? Like, do do you think there's some sort of a disconnect, like we an assumption that the public, uh, like we as journalists, think that hey, you know, the, these people know what we do, and they'll respect us, and they'll give us a space when they see us walking around with our microphones and um, and cameras. Do, do you think we we need to do more to explain this thing that we call journalism is to the public? Um,
1: I don't know. I don't have a. I don't have much of a direct answer to that. Um. I would like to hear like people's views on it, especially my, my fellow colleagues. Mm. But I think what I would say is uh, a lot of times our, our work will speak for, for itself, right? Um, there's a reason why Amabungane, um, Daily Maverick are very popular. And, and all
0: those are South African publications. Like, yeah, South yeah. African
1: publications. There's a reason why they're popular enough to the point that now Daily Maverick has opened up membership subscription and people do sign up. I don't think we need to explain why we're here, why our work is important, but I think what we do need to explain is when we seek newer approaches, we need to explain why. You know, I think it's very important to tell people that maybe we want to now contextualize things for you so that the audience kind of knows what this journey is with them, especially people who now have been watching you for so many years. We keep talking about the millennials, we keep talking about this young audience, but especially in legacy media, the people who've been following you all along, you need to keep explaining to them that now this is our approach and this is why we're deciding to do this this way.
0: Journalist and documentary filmmaker Asha Willu of Citizen TV in Kenya If you're listening to this podcast for the first time and you want to know more about journalism in Africa, check out my website, www.dickensolewe.com. My podcast is also available on iTunes. And if you have an Android phone, download it on Stitcher app. Just search for my name, Dickens Olewe. And please rate the podcast when you find it. As always, for any comments or feedback, I'm on Twitter, at dickensolewe. Until next time. Bye-bye.